Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast with me, Andy Barge, and two of the Daily Record's finest, Mick Gannon and Liam Bryce. On today's pod, we'll be reviewing Celtic's last two games against Salzburg and St Johnston. We'll discuss the rumours linking Brendan Rodgers with Aston Villa, and we'll analyse Lee Griffith's situation with Scotland and Alex McLeish. So let's start with a brief post-mortem then, guys, of Celtic's past two matches. What did you make of it in Salzburg, Liam? What went wrong? Uh, I think I think Brendan Rodgers, he... He nailed it afterwards. Uh, I think Celtic's real problem in Salzburg is obviously they did brilliantly to score that goal within a couple of minutes, but thereafter it was it was a bit of a back to the wall job, and they just they just kept as the manager said they just kept giving the ball back to Salzburg. I, I think through the the first half there was never more of a period of a, a really short string of passes that Celtic actually held on to the ball. And it was just, you know, they could have defended all right at times, but I think when you're inviting that much pressure uh, for such a long period of time against a team with that kind of quality, it was there was only going to be one outcome. It, it did feel a wee bit like, even though Celtic had the goal, that it was just a matter of time before Salzburg scored. And as soon as they did get back into the game, it just felt like, well, the, the floodgates are yeah, going to open. Now, it didn't quite turn into a, a hammering, but... Um, after that first that equaliser went and it felt like just a matter of time I thought well, they certainly played at 100 miles an hour Salzburg didn't they should Celtic be able to compete with that level of team in Europe Mick well I mean Celtic fans sitting watching that game the other week would have been stinking I've seen this game how many times have we seen this game <laughs> this is this is. I think I'm trapped in some sort of Groundhog Day environment let's just repeat yeah. um, I mean, my talking going back twenty years. I mean, talking the last couple of seasons. I'm going to back twenty years. It's the the typical Celtic away performance. Hmm. Uh, occasionally, like a goal to upset a team and then they pay the price. Um, but it's the same old feelings. When you go, you're playing against superior teams. Listen, Salzburg are a good side. They're unbeaten you know, domestically. We don't know how great that is at the moment. But semi-finalists in the FA Cup or Europa League last year, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So they're, they're, they're a really good side. Yeah. Um, didn't cost a fortune to put together, by the way. Maybe worth looking at that that model um, they've got as well. But Celtic again, defensive frailties uh, against better teams. When you're playing against better teams, you need to be rock solid and cutting out the basic mistakes. And the thing that will drive Celtic fans crazy is is the goals they concede in Europe. It's not as if it's it's Barcelona tiki taka uh, moves and curling balls into top corners from forty yards. It's not they're not spectacular all the time. It's goals that look preventable. Listen, good teams, that's what they do to you. They make they, they score goals that drag players out of position and they, they beat their man and, and, and all that stuff. But a lot of these goals, you think, 
they could, I mean, look back at the Athens game as well in the, in the playoffs. Just avoidable, horrible defensive goals. Continual lapses in concentration. It's, it, it's, I mean, listen, it's, it, it becomes a point where it's, it's not... I mean, sometimes these mistakes are class, individual mistakes. You can learn from them and all that stuff. But see, when you keep making the same mistakes, it becomes personnel. It's, it becomes if a player keeps making the same mistakes, it's the person, it's a player that's got a problem. It's not an individual mistake. That's just what they do. So until they get perhaps better personnel in there, I mean, I know there was injury problems last week and mm-hmm. issues. That that's another factor as well. But um, you can't just blame brain freeze or individual mistakes. It's, it's players making mistakes. That's in their nature. Uh, and unfortunately, that's until that changes, the results won't change. Well, Celtic went for the three at the back, down the right side. That's mm-hmm. where the goals came from. Liam Mikhail Lustig um, tried to close down his man. Well, looked to try and close down his man for the first one. He didn't get there. Jack Hendry then caught wrong side of Minamito, I think his name was, for the second one. And James Forrest, a silly decision to try and chest the ball down uh, that close to his own goal for, for what led to the penalty. Is that right side? It's been spoken about a lot, but how vital... In the coming months and up towards next season, is it the Celtic sort out that position? I think I think it is. If they certainly if they wanted to start competing at a higher level in Europe, then I think that is maybe where they've got to start. It's hard to be. I find it hard to be too, you know, too harsh on Michael Lustig because he's obviously obviously been a great servant for the club for quite a long time. But he, he just at that level, he just he gets caught out. We've seen it in the in games last year, and he's you, you mean he, he called it. Uh, trying to close the boy down for the first goal that was kind of putting it quite uh, <laughs> mildly um, it was a really really poor defending as you said all the goals came down that side and I think it's just that it's the it's, it's, as Mick says it's, it's it's about upgrading the kind of level of personnel because the, these were it was just lapses that cost Celtic in the end because I think you could see in that game Salzburg were starting to get a bit frustrated because it wasn't it, there was a Kind of for a time in that game where Celtic were dealing with them relatively comfortably up to a point, I they kept giving them the ball back needlessly. But once Salzburg they were getting into the final third and they weren't, they didn't look as if they were they were going to tear Celtic apart. And but as we say, it's then it's these kind of individual errors that are costly. So in, until you can bring in a, a higher caliber a caliber, sorry, a player who's not going to make those kind of mistakes and it's it's just going to keep on happening, I think. It does go back to the, the, the summer of discontent, though, because that year was targeted in the summer and mm-hmm. they failed to get the targets they had for that side of the... Listen, like you say, Michael Lustig has been a decent servant for Celtic. He looked, he looked fairly clapped out three years ago uh, and I think no one really expected him to come back again. I mean, I remember sitting in uh, Roy Dyla's second season and he was saying he couldn't play two games a week because he's, he's back and his injuries. So he, he has given the club an extra couple of years that maybe at that point... Uh, I didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last year or so, he has looked as though that everything's caught with him. He does look a yard off the pace, and listen, it happens. It's he it can't hold back nature, unfortunately. Yeah. But that area was looking to be addressed in the summer, and by the, you know, the misfiring transfer policy uh, through the summer has has cost them again because that that was an area that needed to be looked at, and it, it was looked at, but it wasn't um, seen through, and they're now facing the consequences. Rogers has since said that he feels the squad is bloated and that there's a lack of quality there. Is that something you'd go along with? Well, there's definitely guys there who you just you know you can't really see a, a long term future for them at the club. You've guys that I was surprised stayed after the the transfer window closed. You know the likes of the likes of Scott Allen, who's who did who did well at Hibs, but he's never really shown you know any sort of sign that he was going to make 
the grade at Celtic. Has that surprised you, that he's never really been given a, a proper run in the side? Well, I just think there's always been, as much as Scott Allen is he's a talented player at a Scottish Premiership level, I just think there's always been better better players in the team ahead of him. So it's, it's I think it's maybe maybe sort of similar situation to what Brendan Rodgers compared between Scott Brown and Abui Kowasi that you know mm. Kowasi's not necessarily doing anything wrong it's just the the form of the likes of Scott Brown has been at such a level that he's just not been able to get yeah. a look in so then you look at guys like over the past couple of years like Callum McGregor and Tom Rogic and the like and these guys are just a unfortunate no slight on Scott Allen but these guys are just a step above his where, level where I would is. say was yeah. it ever going to work out for him it was hard to see. I mean, they made a big play to get him. Remember, it was a big. There was a story of the summer that year when he signed. Um, he never really got an opportunity. It's been three years now. Um, plus, I think it's a long time. He's, he's, he's yesterday's man at Celtic. He's not going to get inside now. Um, but like a lot of players that go to Celtic, they get good money, mm-hmm. get comfortable, and it's uh, and get rid of them is harder um, than you think. But listen, I think I mean Brendan Rodgers. He can't, he can't fault him really for his time in Scotland. I mean, he's had six trophies out of six undefeated season and all that stuff in Champions League it's been t- tremendous um, achievements but it, there has been areas when, he, when he, you think I mean the comments at the weekend about the squad being bloated he signed 22 players in 5 windows how many of these guys are actually in the side mm-hmm. I mean how many of these 22 players are actual starters and you look at guys who he signed that Johnny Hayes Kouassi and Gamboa um, oh man, the last I mean, last compare, compare. <laughs> the lesser seen Marvin <laughs> compare. Um, <coughs> Kenya Ben Benui he's de- in the development squad. No, no hardly yeah. seen any of him. See, they've got sixteen midfield players. Arzani, they've well. got sixteen midfield players. They've got four goalkeepers and two strikers. I mean, the squad is is wildly very balanced. Yeah, they? wildly um, a kilter. Um, so you can't really complain that squad being bloated when you sign 22 players and only two or three of them are, are guaranteed first-team regulars. That's a lot of players, it's a lot of wastage. Um, but I understand his frustration. It's difficult to get boys off the books. Um, there is some players, like a guy Mackay Stevens, who will say, right, I'll go and play, I'd rather go and play. But some lads, listen, you get a good wage, you're a big club. He'd say the only way is down, I suppose. But mm-hmm. so are you going to chuck that and rebuild somewhere else? Was there a message you think, that Rogers was trying to send by... Coming out with that comment because it was a question about is there a, a split in the dressing room and then yeah it was he kind of came out with it wasn't it yeah I, it was, I don't think anybody was expecting that I think I think most people just expected but them to you know play it down but this is the thing with Brendan Rodgers I mean I, I remember um, when he first came to Celtic um, I did reading about him and he did these neurolinguistic studies and all that stuff so every time I spoke to him I think he's, everything he says is for a reason even the intonation of his voice is for a reason so you have everything he says and everyone but buys into this that uh-huh. it's some sort of um, mystic comes Some to the what he says it. so everything he says is, is, is pulled over but listen the la- see the la- this, this season especially having spent not a syllable out of place in two years this year there is times where your eyebrows are raised at things he's saying you're thinking mm-hmm. and it, it, listen I understand people think is that what he means or is there another <laughs> message is it is it Bletchley Park trying to work out the coded messages <laughs> he's sending out but um well, like you say, that, that didn't have to be said. No, to say that, not at that time, I didn't well, Unless he sent a message out to his squad. But yeah. then he told these guys, listen, you're not going to be involved. We'll find yourself a, a new gig. We'll, we'll come back to Brennan Rogers shortly, but let's touch on where this leaves his team's Europa League prospects. Doubleheader against Leipzig next, Mick. Well, listen, the away game in, in Salzburg was always going to be the toughest one of the lot, so it was a bit of a free punch. So it doesn't really affect the terms of the, the points target. Um, a result in 
Germany would be, I mean, be huge. They can get a, a draw over there uh, and win at home. They need four points in these two games mm-hmm. um, to to give themselves a, a proper foothold, and, um, and then. Well, Salz- Salzburg at home will be a, a tough game and Rosenborg well, away as we saw in the summer is no gimme Salzburg at home I think is, is tough again so I think getting something in Germany because I think they're going to be the ones that will be the rival for that I think yeah. second spot Yeah. but um, it's tough. It's a tough group I mean they're in the Champions again I mean Salzburg won um, the Austrian League um, Rosenberg won the Norwegian League so they've been a bit unlucky with the draws <laughs> as good. well uh, I think they've played 10 games against champions this this, this yeah. campaign well, okay. um, which is a bit of a snider really you've got to admit it's not mm-hmm. like, you look at some of the groups they could get yeah you look at some of the teams that are involved in the competitions now and again yeah. and you think to play 10 games against that calibre of team yeah. is yeah. I mean that's not going to happen every year is it no, no. So, um, but they're still in a fighting chance but they, I mean they have to win their home games Um I like to say Salzburg's going to be tricky at home, so I think picking something up in Germany is going to, and in Norway, I think is going to be key to it. Quick, yes or no? Will Celtic qualify? <sighs> Do you know what? I don't know because I still see the same defensive frailties. So on the, on their day, they can go out and they can beat any of these teams, but you get concerns at the back, and until you get the defence sorted, listen, it's not just about. I mean, I know the the, the playoff was if they had Boyata, they'd have qualified. Well, Boyata played qualifiers two or three years ago in the Knockwell and they didn't get through under another dialer. He played in that campaign. There's no guarantees I mean, and he's got a racket in him as well. Um <laughs> so until that until that's addressed, I'd, it's something there. They've got a fighting chance put that way, but I would have been surprised if they didn't qualify, no, but I'd be surprised they did. No. Lib. I think it's in a fence. I am gonna jump right on that fence as well, I think. <laughs> Uh, I have a better idea all, after the first I think Leipzig all game. I was I was literally took the words out of my mouth I think that first game away against Leipzig is, is crucial and that will give a real a real look into whether whether they've got it in them to get through the to get through the group I think you know, I think I think I mean I know it's just cliched the Celtic way and all that stuff but you could really do with one of these away game back to the wall hang tough fighting the scrapping and getting yourself a nothing each draw one of those horrible kind mm-hmm. of results. Uh-huh. That's what Celtic haven't done. They nearely did it in the Camp Nou when Lennon was in charge. Remember, Jordi Alba scored in the final second of the oh, game, yeah. I think it was, yeah, after yeah, such yeah. a dogged backs to the law. It's been a while yeah. since Celtic produced something like I that, mean, I think. The Rosenberg away game, uh, both away games in Rosenberg, I thought were, were control performances, but Rosenberg aren't at the same level as, as Salzburg and Leipzig, so it's, it is going to be tougher. Um, so, I mean, I think you look at Mitch and Gladbach away was decent. Anderlecht away was, was, was a, a stunner. Well, that was a completely different. Yeah, that was, yeah, right. was, that was, that was, that was perfect. Back to the wall, but then hitting the break mm. and it was worked out um, pretty well. They didn't grind out a result. They no, I think they got quite good time as well, mind you. I think there was a lot of disruption. Yeah, and, um, and they looked yeah. good in the in the lag in Glasgow. Yeah. But um, yeah, backs to the wall, nothing each out of dodge would be mm-hmm. would be the, the dream ticket. I think. Aye. Well, the game was put to bed in Salzburg when Forrest was sent off, but he fairly atoned for that in Perth. Liam, what a first half showing that was. Hi. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, we were we were kind of been sitting the past few weeks, like thinking, like kind of watching Celtic, and just like this is it was becoming a bit hard to watch at times because it was there just seemed to be a total lack of spark, and it just on on Sunday there it just seemed as if I was about to say one player in James Forrest, but then I'd be doing a disservice to Tom Rogic because I thought he mm-hmm. was fantastic as well. But it was just somebody taking the game. I know it's a cliched phrase, but that taking a game with the scruff of the neck, making things happen, that just hasn't been there for the past few weeks. And Absolutely, it was, a spark. Uh huh, spark. So it's a some performance from from James Forrest and some of the football. I think some of the link up between him and Rogic was 
uh, was really really good to watch, and it's it's probably a wee bit been a wee bit overdue for the fans at least. Well, Forrest has certainly become more consistent since Brendan Rodgers became the manager. His his game has hit new levels at points, and at times he's produced a fantastic performance. He did it against Bayern Munich in the Champions League, against Partick Thistle in the Cup, maybe in February or March there when he, he scored a hat-trick, I think, and then he's done it now in Perth. Should he produ- be producing a performance of, of that level more often? I think he has, to be fair to him. I think the last couple of seasons he has raised his game and been more consistent. He's fit this as well. I mean, he would put a long time battling in an um, injury. So he's a clean run at it in terms of fitness. So I think he has, he's an effective player. I mean, I think like a lot of wide players, he's also relying on service. I think you t- touched on Rogic. I think him coming to life after a pretty poor start to the season, he's been pretty lackluster since the World Cup. Um, him coming sparking to life and finding the angles, all of a sudden Forrest is getting the ball in front of him with area to run the behind. Whereas in recent weeks, with the, the way it's been kind of this slow, slow build up and against packed defences, he's coming deeper and deeper, and he's maybe got two men. Back the way it's tricky from give him a, give him a something to run at, and he's as, he's as good as anyone. Um, so I think Rogic coming to form and finding those angles and, and picking those passes is. A, I mean, he'll have been thinking this is this is this is what I'm waiting for, mm-hmm. something to run at, as opposed to that back and forth and back and forth and having to beat a man one on one from a standing start. That's not his game. Knock it in front of him. He'll torch someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, in the last year and a half year, uh, so he's added end product. So I'm not surprised to see him doing that. Has the international break perhaps come at a bad time now for Celtic? Well, possibly. Yeah, I mean, because. I think those players would have went into the dressing room afterwards, and the immediate thought would have been, "Well, when's when's the next game? When can you when can we go and do that again?" Um, so, ah, yeah, I think you're probably right. It's maybe has come at a at a bad time, um, but it's better to go into the international break off the back of a result like that rather than, you know, the say for example, I don't know if it'd been the Kilmarnock result or this or the nil nil at St Mirren a few weeks ago, um, where you're going in. Uh, morale's probably taking a wee bit of a hit so but I think the the kind of key for for Celtic will be getting all the players back from this international break without without too many bumps and bruises Um, because it's been a wee bit of a problem for them at times guys picking up injuries Mm -hmm. uh, abroad and they've obviously got quite a big a big game when they come back. I think it's it's Hibs. Celtic have got Hibs coming Hibs. up. Yeah. Uh, so I mean that's a that's a that's a real big test because you got to, you look at Hibs and think they're arguably playing the best football in the the league at the moment. Um, it's the semi final after that. Semi-final that's, I think well. the break's coming a good time actually for yeah. them. Mm-hmm. A few injuries and um, I think the next when they come back from the break, the next kind of four or six weeks is, is huge. I mean, it's season shaping. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you say, Hibs, uh, Hearts in the Cup, European run. And right the way through up to up to Christmas New Year with the with the um, old firm game, so I think it's it's a six eight week period. So this is the kind of the time for me to get yeah, right, Actually, it's usually after that kind of second international break that things. This really is the this is the real, gear, the real kind of uh, nitty gritty period now that will shape their season. Well, so um, well, with the start that Hibs have had, that really is huge because they have threatened and and shown what they're capable of, and people are talking about them as genuine title contenders when you look at the 2018 calendar league table Hibs were above Celtic yeah. um, for the for the year so far so it's it's a massive massive test for, for Celtic to be able to, to put that marker down and say nope this is still our league yeah but they do tend to, I mean it's, they have done it in the last year especially last year last season and this start of the season that when they ask that question they do find an answer and Aberdeen games another one 
the question asked answered the Rangers game at Parkhead this was the big challenge the, the Rangers revolution and all that stuff mm-hmm. and they were terrific that day so they have answered the, the, the questions when they get asked Hibs caused Hibs Celtic real bother last Hibs season Hibs were the one side last year that, that had their number really had, well Kilmark the best I mean, Kilmark's record against them is sensational um, but Hibs were the other side that, that really did cause them, cause them problems so it'll be a big cracking game when we get back that's for sure well, will Brendan Rodgers still be the manager these rumours linking him with Aston Villa won't go away Liam I know that's true uh, I think that one's Seem to be taking a wee bit of a, a twist uh, today. Uh, John Terry, out of, kind of seemingly out of nowhere, he's he's now um, been touted by uh, Harry Redknapp of all people, <laughs> uh, who also said that uh, he no thinks no longer thinks that Thierry Henry is in the running for this one. Um, but uh, I don't I don't know about that to be honest. I mean, it's I think when just when any of these kind of jobs of a certain level. In England, to come up, you know, it seems to be Brendan Rodgers is the man who's immediately, um, who's immediately linked with. It. I mean, I don't doubt there's interest from Aston Villa because I think it'd be a, it'd probably be a pretty good appointment for them and where they're at just now. Um, but he's again, it was we come back to earlier on uh, some of the comments he he made on it. I think he kind of dismissed it in his BBC interview after the game, and then when he spoke to the kind of. Um, in his full media conference, he was a bit more cryptic about it, so I'm maybe better asking Mick what What's your understanding, Mick? That's oh, Aston Villa are, are interested. That's, <coughs> excuse me, that's not a, a rumour. They are interested. Bill like Liam said he's, he's a name that would be in three and four, probably 80% of the jobs in, in England uh, from that level up. Um, so there's definitely his interest there. I, don't, I mean, I, I hear people saying that, um, oh, he, just, he did knocked it back at the weekend, said he's not interested. Did you ever say that weekend, he was quite cute again back to the neuro linguistics <laughs> uh-huh. what did he what did he say but he said to me he said Dawson they're a big club great history etc etc great infrastructure but I love my job here at Celtic that's what he said Um which if he said to your wife would you, would you like that girl on the road and you said that they didn't say no right away <laughs> you'd be a bit of a brother wouldn't you <laughs> it was the you can't rule me out because I've not been asked yeah was it something that was a line that jumped out a bit yeah well you're saying there's interest from Villa would that do you think there's potential for that interest to become mutual well do you know what another, another thing can I amuse me a wee bit when people say he'll never go to, he won't go to the championship he won't leave to go to the championship Villa are below their level Villa are below their level Hang on a second. People would have said the exact same thing two and a half years ago when he went to Scotland. Yeah. It'll never, including Celtic fans, by the way, when the name came up, they went, no, why, why would he come to Scotland? Why would he do this? Well, the same reasons he came to, to Scotland for Celtic, you could apply the same reasoning to Aston Villa. Big club, big support, big history, big potential, not fulfilling it. Big challenge. And looking like there's room to progress. Um, they've now got new owners who are bill accounts get plenty of dosh so I wouldn't dismiss it out of hand I wouldn't just say oh it's championship Aston Villa the 15th in the championship they've been toiling it's a managerial blender and all the rest of it mm-hmm. uh, which I think people are tempted to do if you take a step back and you think hold on a minute the guy who took Swansea into the, from the championship into the Premier League as well he's not had maybe had the, 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 the door banging from the places he thought he might I think I think he thought by now something would have come up that, that would have piqued his interest uh, he was never going to be here for forever I mean I, I to be honest, it was a massive coup getting him and done a terrific job. But you have a bit of sense dealing with him every other week or so. You do get a sense something's changed. His demeanour's changed. He's, uh, like I say, the cryptic kind of um, quotes that are coming out. Um, we've heard the stuff about the behind the scenes that there's been issues. 
Therefore, is he waiting for the right job? I think he'll always be waiting for the right job. If I mean, if mm-hmm. if, if Arsenal had come mm-hmm. in the summer, it'd been shake your hands and all the best. Didn't didn't come in. Then it was, I, mean, I think in the past there'd been West Brom and Southampton have been sniffing about West West Ham maybe as well at some point. Those clubs at that, that that time didn't particularly interest them, I don't think. But as now another six months to another year down the line, you're thinking, is that is that the phone calls we're going to get now? Unfortunately, um, like at a lump it, the, the Scottish football is viewed down south um, pretty pretty poorly. So is Aston Villa going to be the phone call? Mm-hmm. And he's always picked his job strategically. I mean, he said that he admits it himself. He, he he went to Swansea for a reason. Went to Liverpool and then he took a time out. Didn't jump straight back in. Waited and thought Celtic would be a, a good move for him. Put a few trophies in his CV and then see where he goes. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he is looking for the. I mean, just because he, he like I say, he don't, he's not saying. You look at the, the words on the page and saying the right things, but the feeling you get from him is that maybe he's thinking, "What's next?" I well, don't know. Is he looking at that? He can't is count. there a chance he might look at that Aston Villa job and then see the same sort of opportunity to sort of repeat that path he took when he took over that Swansea side? Turn them into we'll use that as the next real, stepping stone dec- to get back to a decent Premier League level side, and then yeah. get a the thing is, it's an attractive position just now because you, you get in there now, and there probably won't be pressure on, on, on year one. If you can get them into playoffs, if you get the next manager gets them into playoffs, they've done well. They're 15th now, and they're toiling. And the new owners are just, just in the door, so the remit might be in, stabilise it, get in the playoffs, have a bash to it. If you get promotion, great. If not, year two promotion, there's money there. <clears throat> you see, Wolves, mm-hmm. they're ahead of schedule with their plan. Also got big money behind them, um, so you, there could be develop. There is scope there to go in. And it's a big club, you know. It's a big club. Uh, go in there and not just going to pay much up to survive, but to to progress again. I don't think he would want to go to a club to be a Huddersfield or mm-hmm. or, that, or that kind of level. Now fighting. For He's an ambitious Carter. person. Yeah, it's very ambitious. Yeah, very ambitious. But I think that's maybe frustrating them that the phone calls haven't came. That they thought he might have got. Um, yeah. And he's a top operator. I mean, people for. Sorry, we're listen. We're being panicking and saying, "Oh, he's got too many midfield players and all that stuff." But he's a top operator. He has done it um, everywhere he's went practically. So I understand the demand, but maybe not the demand he thought he would get. What would be the most interesting twist of fate if he went to Villa? John McGinn. John McGinn. Back into John McGinn. John yeah. McGinn. Absolutely. Maybe. Yeah, we spoke to him yesterday. Yeah. Um, just the things that football throws up, isn't it? <laughs> I actually <laughs> said to him, I said, "This just shows you that six weeks after knocking him back, you might run out of uh, your old gaffer again." <laughs> I was kind of joking. I, said, I don't know. That's not. That's not quite done. <laughs> any six matches a done deal, but we'll see. Would we? Would we be having this conversation between us three just now for the podcast if the summer transfer window had gone better? Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know. You yeah. mean the John McGinn summer podcast that we had for, <laughs> for a few months? Yeah. Uh, it's hard to say, isn't it? It's, I mean, I mean, he is, he is now. He is now suffering the fate that a lot of man, Celtic managers hit. That, that, that at some point they smash against a glass ceiling and they think that that the, the extra player that, that from the twenty five grand a week to thirty five grand a week to the fifty grand a week player and he hits a brick wall, understandably given the, the financial um, environment they work in. Um, so uh, does that mean that, that he feels that his ambition is, is, is stifled itself? I don't know, but there was definitely there was clearly issues over the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, which he, he didn't even uh, hide the fact that there was issues over the summer. If Villa come in for Brennan Rodgers, why should he turn it down? Because he's because he has his, his job hasn't finished at Celtic. I don't think. Um, for uh, since Daft have won six out of six, but the the goal is. Is European football for Celtic as it was? That's what got Ronnie Dyla the bullet, the European aspect. Um, 
So getting to the Champions League and making the club a Champions League side year on year and threatening to get out the group, which is I know it's harder these days, but um, but that's still still to be achieved. Are Celtic a million miles further forward now than they were two years ago? I don't know. So there is work still to be done there. I think. Um, I just I, I don't know. I just it's a personal thing getting the feeling off him. Always not always not particularly quite right just now. He's saying the words, but not. You're not really buying it. Well, actions speak louder than words, so we'll see what happens if a contract's yeah. put under him. Um, there's been issues in the past with Lee Griffiths and Brendan Rodgers, and now maybe an issue between Lee Griffiths and Alex McLeish. What's your understanding of that, Mick? Well, listen, he got, <laughs> Lee says he's got no constraint in his fitness. So we can't, uh, Do you buy it, though? Can't I'm applying the neurologistic approach to Lee Griffiths, that's for sure. <laughs> 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 I don't know if Lee's a, Lee's a student of that. Uh, uh, um, that game, um, listen, I, I remember we did. Um, we spoke to Lee after the, the St. Martin game um, a couple weeks ago, following his his, um, his sort of snub, as we call it, <laughs> yeah. in the in the tabloids. But um, and he, he was clearly um, peeved about the whole situation. And he called it a kick in the teeth. Yeah. Um, from the outside, it looks like he's he's detonated a, a grenade at the precise time wait for the call up, and then say, "Listen, I'm not going to I'm not going to turn up." Um, Basically saying to the manager, well, we'll see how you got on without me now. Uh, how you didn't need me the last time, we'll see how you got on without me this time. It looks like that way. Um, I can kind of understand why Lee would take the huff, to be honest with you. I, I, it's not the best way of dealing with it, I admit. And he, I know, listen, managers have been kicking Lee's backside for 10, 15 mm-hmm. years. You can go back to his Livingston and Dundee days, the managers <laughs> were going, driving crazy by him. Um, but listen, he's, he waited for his chance. I mean, he was sitting, biding his time, top scorer in Scotland, still wasn't getting a game for Scotland. And they're going sacking, finally breaks through, gets the goals, England game and all that stuff, England hero. Um, thinks he's now finally going to be the number one striker. And then his, perce- his perception was that he was told, I'm not starting next time no matter what because I've been bombed out for the away away game. Okay, but a lot of the complaints when Strachan was the manager are that players aren't being picked on form. Naismith was picked on form, yeah. so should Griffiths just have to accept that, okay, maybe in those two games Naismith was deserving to start. But since then, Griffiths has scored three goals and he's been selected again. For the for the squad, so surely he should then just try and grasp this opportunity. No, I don't disagree with that. I mean, Naismith is a, a proven international striker. I mean, he's been doing it, doing it for ten years with Scotland. They never let, let the country down at all. So I don't think he can have any complaints. I just think I can I can understand his frustration slightly. Um, not particularly agree with the way he's gone about it. To, or aye, I can. It's not maybe the best way to to, um, to deal with that situation, but. Well, I think any player that gets dropped from their position in the national team has the right to feel disappointed and, and, and unhappy with the decision, but there are certainly ways to go about it. Yeah, yeah. But he's, I say, but usually, he usually responds pretty well. I mean, he's been, even when they're Brendan Rodgers, he's kicked his backside up and done the place non-stop for two and a half years. But he comes back and he scores goals and, and gives the manager a, a problem, comes a selection. Hasn't done it with Scotland. Scotland's slightly different. They're not paying your wages. So he's <laughs> decided, well, you know what, I'll sit in there. And rest up for a, a fortnight. Well, Liam Michael Stewart suggested on Sports Sound last night that Griffiths was torn apart by the coaching staff at half time during the Belgium game, and he didn't didn't respond well to that at all. Ah, oh, well, I think obviously whether that did or did not happen at all, we don't we don't know, and we don't know what exactly it was about. It was a suggestion that it was to do with his work rate, but I think if you're getting uh, parked up front on your own against the third best team in the world when they're giving us a bit of a hide and going the other way and expected to uh, to make things happen out of nothing and then suddenly if indeed it did happen you're in the 
you're in the changing room and you're the one that's taking the flak for it, I think you're going to... I think he was struggling yeah. with injury as well at that point in time. Uh, I think he, he, even though you could he see he wasn't quite uh, he didn't look looking quite right. Fit. And if he has taken uh, a bit of a hammer and whilst he's carrying that injury, then he's he's maybe thinking, well, pff, you know, I've got every right to, to be a bit to be how, a bit annoyed with us. How big a miss would he be for Scotland? Will he be for Scotland? I think he is a big miss. He's, he's, he's our most natural goal scorer we've got. Would you, would you play him even when he's not perhaps the most informed Scottish striker in the league or in Britain? I would because, I mean, I think Steve Nathan's a terrific player, but I don't think he's a natural number nine front man. No. Um, I always like him on the pitch, to be honest. I think he's always been a good servant for Scotland. But Griffiths is your natural finisher. Um, hasn't done an awful lot wrong for Scotland since, since breaking through. Um, so I would have him a team. I mean, we've not exactly... Any day to be strikers in Scotland, we don't no, have a, a list of. It had to be kind of yeah. alienating. We're talking about your sort of European performance. It's Groundhog Day with Scotland. How many times do we have a, a striker who only scores goals and we don't pick him and they end up throwing toys at the pram? Boyd. Jordan Rhodes, oh. Chris Boyd. I mean, we seem to do it. Fletcher when he was in his prime. Fletcher. We have guys who are main scorer, goal scorers. <laughs> falling out of the place <laughs> because they don't get a game. Yeah, and how much how was that? This? And how much was see that? I, I looking back on it and. How much was that Celtic and Rosenberg game a game that you could apply to Scotland mm-hmm. a yeah, hundred, yeah. hundred mm-hmm. times? Expected to beat a team, probably a better side, but huffing and puffing and not quite getting there. Yeah. And then who was the man who came up and scored the goal? So I think with Scotland now, if it's a, you know it's just it's all about just one way or another getting to a major tournament. And yeah. if you've got a guy in the side who's maybe I don't. I can we debate Griffiths' other uh, attributes or non-attributes all you like, but just to have a guy in the team who you know you can rely on to. The, the the instant I would point to to back that up is when we went to Slovenia in the final game of the group. Nobody else in the Scotland team scores that goal that Griffiths exactly. that Griffiths netted for the opener. Nobody else in the Scotland team puts that away. No. I don't think. And if there's somebody you want the ball to fall to in the box, it's him. But I just can't help but feel there's something more sinister here than focusing on his fitness. Would you agree? I think he's a difficult cat. He's a tricky character to manage. I mean, it's just they come rough, take it off of the smoothies. Some of these these guys. I mean, it, <laughs> he does drive managers potty. Has always done. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a talent, and you sometimes have to be cute with talent. Um, you can't have players picking and choosing who plays or demanding to play. You can't have that as a manager. Yeah. So I, I sympathise for uh, McLeish. You can't you can't allow anyone to pick their own team, uh, their place in the team. But do you? Take a talent like Griffiths and try and mould your team around about him, or do you try and slot in a system? We don't have that much in terms of quality up front. I would be thinking that make your team a bit bigger to me around him would be the way to go, but it's too late now. But now, I don't know how. What the question is now is how do they pay the damage? Well, it's hardly off to a good start. How does how will Alex McLeish feel, Liam, if he hears about Lee Griffiths liking tweets that's basically telling him to put the two fingers up to Scotland? Oh, you can obviously no, argue that it uh, might have been accidental, but I know it's a it's a <laughs> joy of social media, isn't that it? That is the joy of social media, and I, I just think we've we've talked about it before. Like we don't, unless you're one of those multi-millionaire superstars who's got somebody running your your uh, social media account for you, uh, we're not quite sure. And Adidas exactly. Uh huh. Hundred of thousand into your account yeah. for a tweet. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it will be too concerned about that. To be honest with you, I mean, I think he will just struggle off. It's social media nonsense and all that stuff. It's a boy who's maybe not yeah, too content he, he with He probably will. I, I think McLeish as well, 
as, as you say, it is. It's it's if it, it's silly, but it's again, it's it's social media. It's and I don't think McLeish is going to make want to make any no. more of an issue of this than they're already. Well, Peter is. Grant's been keen to to play down any reports of a rift. He seems to suggest that Lee Griffiths will be in the squad for for the next round of games. But it's nose and cutting your nose a spider face. So they can't they can't afford to to have him outside the tent for too long. So. Uh, there has to be some sort of reconciliation. Listen, at this point in time, you've got to say, right, he said he wants to concentrate on his fitness. His fitness hasn't been good this season. He's he looked a bit off. Um, I've seen a few people poking fun at him online for maybe carrying a wee bit extra around his midriff, do you uh, think? I'll keep my mouth shut on that one. Because <laughs> 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 that was a lunch I've had. <laughs> do you think, though, that's that sort of thinking weigh on a decision that Griffiths has made where he's thinking, oh my goodness, the... People are saying I'm out of shape. I need to get back in into into shape. Yeah, I would I would doubt there's there's more to it than I think. Um, I see he's not he hasn't fully fit. He has been struggling with injuries and, and fitness, so he's not quite there yet. Um, but it's obviously he knows at a joint after the last camp after the last get together, um, and he perhaps he's used that as an opportunity to to get a message across to the management. I would think, um, but he does need to work. He does need to get fitter. He doesn't. He's problems ongoing problems with his calves and all that stuff. And um, and and t- relative terms, I don't know if he's carrying a bit of weight. I don't know. It's hard to <laughs> maybe, I, I maybe his BMI is nine yeah. percent rather than seven. <laughs> I haven't noticed personally, but I've just yeah. seen it on social media. No, People yeah. tagging him in tweets. Chris Sutton said he brought it up. Yeah, Sutton's yeah. taking off again. So he thinks he's carrying a bit. Um, was it against Salzburg? Possibly. Um, so maybe I don't know. I don't know what's been said behind the scenes either. You know, these things are probably meticulously tracked these days. Um, yeah. so. Okay. Well, in the meantime, let's hope that it all blows over without too much of a storm happening for Scotland and Lee Griffiths. But thanks for listening. You can subscribe to the Daily Record Celtic podcast on Acast, iTunes, and all the usual platforms wherever you listen. Thanks for listening. <laughs>